This is the Dean of the College of HBCU Sports, Kenyatta Cavill of Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Come mix it up in the lab where the course lecture is in session every Tuesday from 6 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time on Facebook Live, YouTube, Spreaker, or the BCSN app. As we discuss all things about the HBCU sports culture, including exploring the week that was in the sporting HBCU dashboard, as well as the upcoming week of HBCU sports. With me, the Dean, the College of HBCU Sports, on Dr. Cavill's Inside HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Course lecture dismissed. Welcome to the BCSN Sports Wrap. Uh, Brian Fulford here, joined by my wingman for the day, Jamie Walker. Uh, Jamie, how you doing tonight? I'm good, B. How you doing, man? Man, I'm I'm great. Wonderful, wonderful, man. Uh, I realized as I was just, you know, I always love to let people in behind the scenes on things. So I, I realized as I was about to go live, I realized I didn't have the <laughs> the right intro set up so i was like ah oh, damn it uh so i had to go with the quick abbreviated uh rejoin to kind of jump in there and, and get us going man um so uh sorry those of you who like the uh the normal intro music and all the good stuff i know ad drew's watching uh and he's like damn b you didn't play the intro i'm like i, I look there's so much going on today jamie um that it's like you know we're gonna be all right we're going to be all right. You know, we got, we got things to say today. So, the you know, it's like the sooner we can get into the, get into the kitchen and start cooking, uh, the, the sooner folks can get fed. Right. Isn't that, isn't that how it goes? That is how it goes, man. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, let me get the, uh, standard protocol pre-show stuff out of the way. Thanks to everybody for coming in. Uh, and, and joining us on uh, YouTube, Facebook, um, those of you who are watching, picking up the Twitter stream, uh, appreciate you. Uh, those of you must, you know, who are watching, you must have the notifications turned on. I would encourage anybody, if you're following us on YouTube uh, via the uh, MyJBN1, or if you're uh, watching, following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at MyBCSN1, make sure to go ahead and have those notifications turned on, hit the thumbs up button if you would while you're uh, while you're while you're in your preferred chat streams. Uh, we'll give everybody a shout out here. Uh, I see uh, Franklin's coming in. Franklin's coming in early. I don't know about this. Di love. Di love. It's a good day. Good day yesterday for the Jackson State University. Tigers. We'll talk about that 
uh, a little bit later. Uh, David Garner, hello, how you doing? David, always dropping some good information there in the uh, YouTube chat. You know, I think I may have to get uh, get David on staff, Jamie, because he's always dropping um, topics, you know, show topics and notes. I'm like, uh, you know, you want to come, come work with us, David? I mean, you, you're doing a lot of good stuff out there. You know, help us out a little bit. Um, appreciate you for coming in. Always, Chuck Hunt, checking in from Monroe, Louisiana. Chuck, we appreciate you coming in. Always coming in on Facebook. Chuck. Yeah, exactly, right? Uh, so we appreciate him. And then, of course, uh, Mary305 coming in on the uh, YouTube stream. So uh, let's get it out the way. And look, I, I told you, David Garner always coming in with the, with the hot topics right off the bat. And so we will start the show with a congratulations uh, for Jackson State's Isaiah Bolden, who with the 244th pick uh, was selected by the New England Patriots. And uh, that was it, Jamie. Uh, and it, well, as it relates to HBCU players, uh, Isaiah was one of 11, I believe is the correct number, of FCS players that were drafted. Over the Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, seven rounds, 259 players, and one. Yeah, man. Just let that let yeah. that lay out for a moment. You let know? let that marinate. Let 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 that in, in in the words of my man Country Wayne. Let that sizzle in your spirit. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I I tweeted something. And, you know, I don't know at what point you kind of realized that it was going to be a slow day uh, uh, for uh, HBCU players. But I think I tweeted somewhere maybe middle of the sixth round that that night, that day, was probably more disappointing than the COVID year of 2020 where no players were drafted or even the 2021 year where one player was drafted. And I said that because of the simple fact that this was a year where there weren't any restrictions holding anybody back. Several schools had multiple play up scouting teams that went to pro days. You had the second year of the, uh, HBCU Legacy Bowl, which was also the headline for the uh, HBCU Combine, if I'm not mistaken. So this, you know, which the previous year, all we heard was good things, right? And so we you, did. we had four players. Four players were drafted in 2022. So there was optimism that more would get drafted this year. Um. But there was only one. Uh, so, at, at, you know, I'll, I'll start us off, Jamie, with kind of at what point, um, you know, where were you? You know, I, I put out there the biggest, you know, biggest HBC-related surprise of the draft. I, I don't know if we want to start with that particular question or just in general, when did you get a feeling that only one player or did you have a thought that none would get drafted? At what point did that kind of hit home with you? Um, honestly, the the Friday um round of um 
of draftees. I mm. thought Mark Evans from UAPB would be the first play, HBCU player drafted, uh, mm. to be totally honest with you. And because he kind of fit the mold of what the NFL was looking for in general as a lineman. You already had examples of Teron Armstead. You had examples of Jatire Carter from last season. Uh, so I thought he fit that mode of offensive lineman that um, that absolutely could go to a team and that early. When I didn't see that and then I saw a run of offensive linemen, I kind of got the sense then, yeah, this is going to be different. Um, along with that, man, just, you know, you get to Saturday and, you know, I had a couple of things to do, but early on I was looking at the draft and it's just like, okay, there's there's no movement. You know, you can see patterns um, when you look at the draft and how it's kind of comprised of, you know, you have this player, that player. Um, and, and shout out to um, to Zach Cannell of um, the Blue Bloods. Um, you know, when you're talking about um, only power five players being drafted in the first round, that kind of gave you a signal of what's to come. Um, not just HBCU players, but uh, FCS players in general. And so I, I kind of had a sense then that it wasn't going to be um, wasn't going to be a good day for us that was hoping um, and, and, and praying that our players would be selected, uh, even with the hype, even with the other, you know, all star games and, you know, combines and things of that nature coming in. You were hopeful that this would kind of, you know, change the tide of, of everything going on and uh, it just didn't, man. And, you know, I, I just felt myself being just uh, in certain senses, for lack of a better term, defeated. Like it, it was just it was exhausting because it's like having a, a, a question and having absolutely no clue or no answer as to how to alleviate it. And, you know, that's what I ended up feeling like, man. But I guess um, at the very end of the day. Owners and, 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 you know, scouts and GMs are going to choose who they want. And I don't know if of any forcing that you're going to do to these folks, especially when you're talking about the next goal for them is $25 billion. So clearly HBCU players not being drafted is not high on their priority list. Uh, so my question is now, what do we do for ourselves? Uh, in relation to just how we're structured. And I know we're going to get into that a little bit later, but, you know, there's some things we're going to have to start thinking about so that we are not exhausted at the end of a process that clearly is not there for us to be part of. Something that I, I really appreciate and love when I hear you uh, talk about that is you mix in a lot of we and us. Um, and... That is the sentiment that makes it so special uh, is the fact that there's, there's, there's a feeling like seeing these guys get drafted and be successful is a reflection on all of us who went to HBCUs. You know, I don't know. And you know what, that, that when we start talking about the difference and someone asks, you're in education, I'm in education. And when we have people that ask us about 
HBCUs and why. And I know you rep your nail, your, your school at school. I, I wear my stuff. And they're like, oh, you went to there. And I bet kids go, oh, Mr. Walker, you went to A&T. You know, so there's a pride that goes with that, right? And there's a lot of people who don't know. It's funny, you know, we, we, we're fortunate, but there's a lot of people who don't know about HBCUs. And so in this world of sports and of this world of college football, which is, I keep saying, is a recession-proof industry. It has whatever is going on in the world, in the economy, college athletics, the NFL is immune to it. It has not struck it. You thought, look, you thought people were upset by boycotts and protests. Yeah, NFL still going, still making millions. The, the several hundred folk, thousands who stopped watching, and we know people who have stopped watching football. Hey, guess what? League's still moving along. Hasn't stopped. More, more fans than ever. And so hearing about us and we is something that adds on this, this, this tragic feeling that we all have, you know? And I, I think I'll say for me personally, I sort of tried to begin to divorce myself of that thought a couple of years ago. After the the COVID year where nobody, the 2020 draft where nobody got drafted, 2021 where one player got drafted, and we understood, you know, or at least we we could understand what they were saying. Uh, whether we understood or not, we I understood why they were saying. Most rational people kind of probably understood what they were saying. You know, that it was hard to get around, hard to get to smaller schools. But what it did, though, what COVID did, and, and a bigger impact than these uh, COVID, COVID players, it put the focus on the Power Five conferences, Jamie. It, it put them on front stage and said that we are the official minor leagues of the National Football League. Look at this year. The number of players from just Georgia, Alabama, the, the power fives, the power conferences, the four, I don't know, four. They're supposed to be five, but you can, you know, we were talking about that offline. Heck, there, yeah. <laughs> there might there might be four and a half. I don't know. Depending upon what you think. But and, and they're even they will eat their own at the quote unquote FBS level where there's 130 teams up there, right? But the top 60, man, they will devour the bottom 70. Eat them alive. They won't give them any of the pie if they don't have to. They're expanding a playoffs, Jamie. That playoffs is not meant to have more teams from the bottom 70. No, that, that's for more people in the top 60 to get Absolutely. a big piece of that pie. So translate that to the NFL. The NFL is is has become this they're looking at the power fives as the minor leagues of, of college football. And so now not only HBCUs, but FCS programs are left sort of trying to find their place in this new world, you know? And, and I think the, the other, the other thing that I may have tried to express when I was tweeting while you know a lot of a lot of us were rage tweeting at the time of all this was going on Saturday no doubt was that oh, yeah. at, at least this year there are more options you know and and, and, we, and we can talk more about that but but I, I guess you know as as we you know again biggest HBC related surprise yeah 
you know, one one player. Um, what was so unique about Isaiah Bolden, Jamie, in, in your, you know, as you think about Isaiah Bolden at Jackson State, what is it that uh, makes him unique? You know what? This is I'm, I'm going to put on the, the NFL analyst hat for a second in a couple of different ways and on that particular team. Um, the New England Patriots drafting Isaiah Bolden is no surprise based on the type of player he is. You're talking about a versatile player who um, contributes to special teams right off, right away. Um, has some of the physical tools you're looking for, you know, size, speed, uh, but actually is versatile. Uh, when you look at that team and over his history, especially under Bill Belichick, he has used multiple players to do multiple things. And so it's not just his corner ability, but um, but his ability to return kicks and punts as well. So no surprise there at all. But along with that, um, you know, Bill Belichick likes small school guys. Uh, you look at throughout the course of their history, um, black college guys, along with other FCS and small, you know, smaller school, Division two, even Division three guys um, he's had within his coaching staffs and within his players. So it's no surprise to me at all. But the irony of this is, if you look at the way media has present, presented this, not all, but some, you would think he went to Florida State. And he transferred from Florida State, but it's, it's Jackson State's former Florida State player, Isaiah Bolden, in certain senses. So, again, that pipeline has been involved in, you know, what we're doing on the HBCU level coming from a power five school. So, so again, not, you know, being able to escape and get away from that um, is still hard, but it's no surprise. Um, you're talking about a versatile player who can do many things. And that's what um, Bill Belichick and that organization wants to do anyway. So no surprise at all. Um, uh, I, I'm reading a, a, a very good, you know, I had to do some, research or just kind of do a Google search on, you know, what was it that made Isaiah Bolden unique? Um, and, um, and, and let me, let, and let me first say, you know, in the, in the post hours after the uh, draft concluded, there were some great conversations on a few different platforms, um, following the draft. Um, you know, I, I thought, um, Scotty at Offscript did some good things. Joshua Sims with HBCU Nightly, great pieces. So I, I would recommend any and all of you who enjoy HBCU content and especially want a deeper dive into these football-related things, go check out uh, Scotty on YouTube. Uh, the recording of HBCU Nightly is on Twitter Spaces. Uh, go check those out. I, I mean, I want to encourage you really because uh, – Great conversations, and 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 those guys stay connected uh, with a lot of people. Um, but two things that kind of stood out when I went to go look at Isaiah Bolden: um, one, six two, I think was his height. Uh, so, I, somewhere I, I saw somebody say six four, six five. I'm like, you're not six four, six five. No. Anyway, six two, but also uh, is believed to have ran a uh, four four three four three something. OK, and so I'm, I'm I just I'm peeping out this article here by Simone Stanley over on HBCU Game Day does a great 
piece on why Isaiah Bolden was the only HBCU player drafted. Now, you just mentioned his defensive back skills, but also his ability in the return game. Uh, And yes, it is a factor that, A, he went to Florida State previous, so he's one of those FBS to FCS transfers. And then also he has a father who played in the NFL, you know, which it is kind of funny because I, I think that was a surprise to uh, some people, you know, um, that especially among professional teams, if I, if I recall, you know, hearing one of the guests on, uh, on HBCU nightly that, uh, and I don't know if this was uh, KJ black who had, who had said it, this. Was. it was okay. The fact that, uh, within that organization, he works. He works with the LA Rams. They didn't know that Bolden's father was a former uh, professional player. Didn't even know of Bolden. Were surprised that the Patriots took him and were like, "Damn, how do we miss out on him?" Uh, so it, that just tells you, like, I, I follow the draft for for completely for for other purposes uh other other than following HBCU guys <laughs> if you know you know but yep. when you when you listen to those markets and when you watch those markets react to draft comments it, it makes you question everything in everybody's room Jamie so anyway it doesn't surprise me it didn't surprise me that there was somebody who didn't know about Isaiah Bolden right but uh, she brings up a good point here and that his versatility, the fact that in 2021 with Jackson State, he led both FBS and FCS in kickoff return average at 36.9 per attempt. Wow. Yeah. And, you know, uh, last season he produced 44 tackles, seven pass breakups, and a forced fumble. So two solid years at Jackson State, you know, and a proven special team. So Bill Belichick gets somebody who he's expecting to come in and really, really make a an impact or have the opportunity to make an impact right away. Absolutely. Uh, I, I think when you have that, you know, size, speed, um, someone that can serve in, in, you know, a couple of different capacities, I think it's a no-brainer. Um, to have someone like that on your team, regardless of where you went to school. So, absolutely. Yeah, kudos to that organization for recognizing that. Um, so, the, 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 so, when we talk about guys who were drafted, again, uh, looking at this progress report, courtesy of Black College Football Hall of Fame, the selected numbers – in the draft last year, we had four. Um, uh, I'm trying to. I know we had the Kobe Durant, Joshua Williams, uh, James the Houston, James, James Houston, and the fourth, and Jatire Carter, okay. Jatire Carter, and of course we we know Durant uh, and Williams and and Houston, all three. I don't I don't know how Carter whether he was able to make an impact where he was. Uh, I think he was with the, was it with the Bears? Yeah. Yeah, he's okay. with the Bears. Yeah, that's crazy how I can remember that. Um, uh, so, yeah, and, and I know the other three guys all made significant names for themselves, you know, in, in that year. And so you're thinking, hey, that's going to lead to something uh, for guys. But, but 
you know, it didn't. Um, four guys selected last year, one this year. Now, the the thing about the progress report that they put out, which, you know, as of 11 p.m. last night, the number of signed undrafted free agents has gone up from 12 to 17. So 17 players beginning um, almost we saw beginning the draft beginning as soon as the draft ended, you started uh, seeing names, you know, come off the board. Um, I, I made a point to sort of try to uh, retweet or post some of those. I mean, you had you had guys, uh, you know, just kind of going through the list of names. Aubrey Miller going to the Miami Dolphins, signing with the Dolphins. Lane College's Andrew Farmer, Division II with the Chargers. I, I, his name brings up something I want to get into, Jamie. Don't let me forget to talk about the Legacy Bowl and that combine because I, I wonder about something related to him and somebody else at the Division II level. Uh, of course, Isaiah Land, Florida A&M, going to the Dallas Cowboys. The second year in a row, the Cowboys signed at Rattler. Um, Virginia State's Darius Hagens. Going to my Colts. I mean, look, I, you know, we need running backs, and I, you know, I'm, we, we've, uh, he, there's an opportunity for him in Indy, no doubt. Um, Jackson State's uh, Dijon Nugget Warren going to the Bears. Southern's Cameron Peterson signing with the Ravens. Uh, the Saints signed not only Shaq Davis from South Carolina State, Mark Evans of UAPB. Uh, another Jackson State Tiger, Dallas Daniels, signed with the Broncos. Um, Alcorns, Claudine Cherilis, signed with the Jets. Jadakiss Bonds of Hampton, signed with the 49ers. Joshua Pryor of Bowie State, signed with the Commanders. Almost called them the Redskins. Uh, <laughs> Alabama State's uh, Keenan Isaac, signed with the Bucks. A&T's Ricky Lee with the Panthers, staying in the home state there. Uh, Fort Valley State's Emmanuel Wilson, signing with the Broncos. Xavier Smith of Florida A&M, signing with the Rams. The Colts uh, offered an opportunity, a mini-camp mini invite to uh, Keyshawn Moore of Hampton. Um, I, I don't know if that was 17, Jamie. That That's the list that the draft tracker that I've been paying attention to, that's what it had. Um, I know some names that we haven't seen yet uh, come off the board. Uh, Kamari Everett of BCU. Um, you know, I was just uh, looking at a Twitter. Any other names on there that uh, that you are looking for? And I was just kind of looking here in my notes here to see whether there had been anything new. A any other names that you're that you haven't heard from that you're kind of like, man, I wonder where that guy's opportunity is going to come. Well, definitely, Averett was um, was one of the first ones. Matter of fact, I tweeted out last night, even for, um, before Xavier got picked up. Those were the two I was wondering about, Xavier Smith and Kamari Everett, just because I'm looking at the group of tight ends that <laughs> got drafted. Um, a lot of them were projects. Um, you know, refer to one um, in Darnell Washington from University of Georgia who had a medical – um, medical red flag and slip down in in the draft. So a Kamari Everett comparable in size, um, I thought might have been someone that 
um, teams would be willing to pick up because of his versatility at the position. Um, he's someone that could probably be flexed out. You know, the way modern offenses are going on in the NFL could definitely have benefited, but I haven't seen his name go anywhere yet. Um, of course, the A&T guys I'm, I'm you know, wondering about uh, just because, you know, the Zach Leslie's, the the Jalen Fowler's, the, the you know, names of that nature, just to see, um, you know, where, where they at and where they're going. Um, but yeah, it, it is still quite a few names out there of players that have, you know, th- that have not, you know, caught on yet, but this also, this, this undrafted free agent, uh, slash camp invite thing is going to be a few day process. So, um, there'll be some more names out there and I'm sure that tracker will fill up with some more HBCU names, but, um, it just goes to tell you, and I'm glad that question, uh, just popped up, uh, because, you know, we'll, we'll address that in a second, but I'm sure some more names will, will, will be coming up. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so that, that brings us to that question. You know, you look at the numbers. Um, it, and I, I went and did the math, the contractual, just to kind of glance at what's the difference between signing an undrafted free agent contract with a seventh round pick. Um, now, I, I do think a part of this is based on you making the team, obviously, right? Um, so if I'm mis- not mistaken, and I, I went to uh, 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 spotrack.com, uh, uh, I think that's the name of it, Sportrack? Uh, I don't know. I, I, I know how to well, type it. It, just pop- it pops up. I, I always feel like I sometimes get it wrong. But a seventh-round draft pick in the NFL – is slotted for a contract in the ballpark of about $3 million, 3.9, maybe a little less than four. But there's a signing bonus of almost $100,000, right? Undrafted free agents, per the collective bargaining agreement for 2023, are capped at $750,000 with a significantly less signing bonus. You know, maybe maybe a fifth of that. So, you know, the trade-off, it's sure you want to be drafted, you know, but I think when we, there's a couple of questions in this asking this is, you know, signing undrafted free agents the way to start thinking of this. You know, we have to, I, I told you, I stopped being disappointed by the NFL a couple years ago. Okay, I stop, and I think once you stop being disappointed, then nothing surprises you anymore. <laughs> you know, uh, but I, I, I think maybe this is the way things are going to be for more HBCU players. I don't know if that's good or bad. What uh, you know, and good and bad is is like you know, it's not like we're playing, uh, you know, good, good and bad, evil and good. But but uh, just give me your thoughts there, Jamie, about signing undrafted free agencies and, and how this stacks up uh, for players. Honestly, I, I, honestly, I think um, it really just depends on who the person is. Um, you see the monetary difference already in, in maybe not so much a little more security, but there are some more dollars there. Um, I think um, psychologically when you're selected, that does something for you because, um, you know, I guess indirectly someone sees your value. 
Um, but at the same time, um, with the UDFA route, you choose where you want to go. Um, and you can negotiate that. Um, you know, I heard someone say the other day, um, you can start doing that. Typically after the fourth round, they start calling people. But once you get drafted, that falls out, you know, that goes out the window. Takes uh, so, right? you know, so that, that I mean, in that sense, um, it, it may be better to be a UDFA because uh, ultimately you do choose that path. You can kind of, you know, see where that goes. Um, speaking of which, it, you know, when you're talking about, um, oh, why well, I slipped my name? Uh, safety for FAMU last year. Uh, that's uh, where the Cowboys. Bell. Marquise yeah, Marquise Bell. Bell. Yeah. yeah. You know, him, um, everyone thought he was getting drafted. Everyone last year. Because, again, size, speed, um, you know, everything. But I think him landing with the Dallas Cowboys in the way that he did um, and then eventually making that practice squad um, served him well because in that particular defense, he is tailor-made for that. Um, running hit defense of, of Dan Quinn, um, he fits the mold of, of the kind of safeties he wants, someone that's, the, you know, in the box that can make a short tackle but also has a speed enough to cover. So I think in his case, it served him well. Uh, we'll see what happens with everyone else. Uh, I, I think Isaiah Land being there also um, helps his situation because he's undersized as a defensive end. He's kind of one of those tweeners that he talked about, um, that they often talk about. Um, you know, long, lean, but has speed. Um, they'll He'll be used in different places. He's He has an opportunity um, to to do some things with that organization. So I think, you know, do we need to start calling the the cowboy to fam you pipeline um, existing now? I mean, is that, hey, is that what it's, it is? Because historically, it's, it's, it's there. Championships, at least the championships. Uh, Bob Hayes, championship. Yep. Uh, Nate Newton, championship. Nate Newton. Uh, yep. You know, hey, I, I, I'm not a Cowboys fan, but, man, I tell you, I'll be rooting for them if they find a way to jump up. Unless they unless they appear in a Super Bowl against my Colts, I'll be rooting for them. I, I'm not gonna lie, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah, but it's it's um you know it's it's going that route. You know, I guess once everyone kind of stepped back and kind of took some of the emotion, because I won't say it's it, it's out completely, but stepped back and and got away from the feelings of not being drafted, because I think it says something. Um, whether it's a status symbol or whatever and what have you, I think um, situations that give you the ability to make a team and impress people is ultimately what you want. And if the UDFA route is the better route for us in that way, hey, I'm all for it because the numbers have definitely increased. Uh, a lot of people have pointed that out. You know, a couple people on Twitter, you know, you know, made me aware of that and, and looking at the stats. Yeah. Um, that has increased over the over the years, uh, especially within the last three years. So if that's the route we have to go, it is what it is. There are two things that every college football program is going to promote when they can. Players that were drafted out of their program and players that played professionally from their program. Right? And Absolutely. so, you know, that, like you said, if you get a chance to be drafted – that is a status symbol because, look, there's only seven of those rounds. I mean, this is not like back in the day where they used to be into the teens. There's only seven. That's 259 players. And so what you're saying is 
Uh, if you're a program like a South Carolina State, I'm going to use them, for example, because they've probably had the more – I don't I don't know who – well, no, let me – let me. I don't want to go down this because I know this is going to argue. I think Jackson State is still in, 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 uh, in the lead for most players drafted. Uh, I know some of you Tigers in the chats, you can correct me if I'm wrong about that. But I think Jackson State still has the most players drafted, right? And I'm sure that is a – somewhere prominent within their football building, right? That it is well known that, hey, we have the most players uh, among HBCUs or we've had this many players drafted and they'll add another one to the list. But then there's also that how many players have been to the NFL? How many players have been all pros? How many players have been uh, Hall of Famers, things of that nature. All of those things get added because, again, you're trying to attract these young people with something that is enticing. I mean, you know, uh, they all want to, uh, most of them, all want to play and have dreams of playing professionally. Um, so I, I, I think um, I, I want to get into talking a little bit more about the – the combine and the small, the, the small school guys who received some attention. But uh, we want to hear from you guys in, in the chats. You guys let us know. Let us know. I mean, biggest surprises. I mean, I mean, obviously we understand the the, the one, but if there are any other surprises, uh, is signing undrafted free agencies the way? Do we need to change our thinking? If you as fans change your thought process and thinking about the NFL draft, would you be less hurt by the fact that only one guy got drafted? If we just knew that this is the way, Jamie, would HBCU Nation feel a little bit different this morning, this day, uh, this weekend, you know, knowing what we know that, hey, look, hey, somebody got drafted? Wow. It's almost like getting drafted in the NBA. Whoa, you mean you got drafted in the NBA? You mean there was only so many spots? You were one of the 64? Holy cow, that's special. If we start thinking of it in those terms, we might be a little less hurt on Sunday mornings and how we feel about the NFL draft and the process. Uh, let's take a break, come back with some more discussion on the other side. You're watching the BCSN Sports Wrap. Jamie Walker and Brian Fulford here. We'll be back in just a moment. Time to call a credit repair company to fix my credit. Hold the phone, man. You can do it yourself with Credit Versio. That's way too hard. Call the credit repair company. Most credit repair companies only work on one or two accounts at a time, making it slow and expensive. You won't figure that out for months. <laughs> Ignore him. Credit Versio's brilliant software scans all three credit bureaus, finds the accounts that are hurting your score, and guides you through the entire process. Anyone can do it. Let's fast forward and see the results. <laughs> wow, I fixed my own credit and saved hundreds. You can do this. Visit creditversio.com. T. Madden & Associates is a sophisticated and experienced law firm located in your neighborhood. We're turning injury to cash. T. Madden & Associates obtained almost $2 million for my injury. They turned my injury to cash. Now, we can't guarantee how much your injury is worth, but we've recovered millions for our clients. Call T. Madden & Associates at 833-PAID-123. That's 833-PAID-123. Before history is written, Bobby Orr, 
It's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Since 2002, Empowerment Resources, Inc., a nonprofit organization, has empowered more than 1,500 youth and adults in Duval and surrounding counties. Through its programs, Journey into Womanhood, Girls Mentoring, Life Skills for Teens, and Parenting Education Coaching. To get involved with programs, volunteer, or donate, visit www.empowermentresourcesinc.org. Follow us on social media, facebook.com forward slash empowerment.resources and instagram.com forward slash empowermentjax. Thank you guys for what you do for HBCU Athletics. This is a fantastic avenue for, for, for all of us. This is our ESPN, so we, 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 we love what you guys do. Brian, AD, Roy, all you guys at BCSN, we really appreciate what it is that you guys, you guys do for us. CSM Sports Wrap, Brian Fulford and Jamie Walker here joining me tonight. Uh, AD Drew taking care of some uh, personal personal business today. Um, so I know uh, he, he, there's a chance, there's a chance uh, Drew may be checking us out here in the second hour and uh, be joining us. Uh, I know Jamie will be back here in just a second, going to kind of Go through roll call. Just some of the folks um, that are are joining us here. Um, just a few notes. Uh, Edwin Moore, thanks for jumping in. Um, says, you know, we kind of asked the question in the first segment. Biggest surprise? Uh, he was surprised that uh, Shaq. Uh, I'm assuming. I'm assuming he's saying Shaq Davis. Uh, and uh, Mark Evans is the UAP offensive lineman that he's referring to. We're not, uh, we're not uh, drafted. Uh, let's see. As Jamie, Jamie Walker uh, joins us again. Um, Jamie, um, Edwin wasn't the uh, only one surprised. Doug Williams said that he was stunned that the NFL drafted one player. And I'm reading uh, an article here from Kyle Mosley from HBCU Legends. Uh, that's si.com uh, page there, HBCU Legends, is where you can find that. Um, Doug says, uh, I'm stunned. 
There has to be a lack of representation in the draft rooms for this to happen. Do we have anyone fighting for these young men? Mm. He's 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 right. Yeah, he's right to a degree, right? He's not just to to a degree. Um, I'm gonna say something that may get me in trouble. Um, Go ahead, get in trouble. In, in, oh, oh, in, okay. In Aggie Nation, but right, I'll say it right. anyway. Um, I was pleased initially with the drafting of Hendon Hooker. Um, you know, to the Detroit Lions. Those that don't know, uh, Brad Holmes, general manager, um, for the Detroit Lions. Uh, you know, has that connection with um with Hendon's dad, uh, Allen Hooker, former um, Hall of Famer. Is he an Aggie? Um, yes, he is an Aggie. Okay. Yes. Okay. Wow. And so, so, um, you know, I was happy ba- just based on the connection, but um, when it came to drafting actual HBCU players, I think he could have helped that. Um, and now, you know, this is the same man that, you know, drafted James Houston the previous year. So. You know, in that regard, you know, there that is. But worked out for him. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it did. Uh, but this year, not so much. Didn't didn't really see that. And I haven't, you know, been able to see their um you you know, their UDFA chart yet as far as bringing uh HBCU players in. So in that regard, uh I, I kind of looked at it as, you know, um half empty, the cup half empty this year. Uh, but yes, we do need representation in in the room. Um, and I know we already talked a little bit about the spaces from last night and talking about, you know, who's lobbying for who and, you know, what goes on within that and what scouts are actually doing as far as knowing who's available and those connections. But it also comes down to the respectability of our brand of football as well. Uh, when you have people that do not, uh, even check for who's doing what. Uh, that it took, you know, in the, in the particular conversation last night had to do with, you know, the L.A. Rams. And, you know, I didn't know that, you know, Isaiah Bolden's, you know, dad played in the NFL. Uh, it coming down to those are the kinds of connections that you needed to even give him a shot was both, you know, head scratching that you didn't have the information, but problematic that that's what it had. It would have had to take. For you to give him a look, uh, so so, um, the representation has to be there. Uh, I know we were going into talking about the uh, the Legacy Bowl and HBCU combines and things of that nature, and you know, you know, talking and addressing, you know, Doug Williams actually is a good segue for that because what is going on at this point as far as having, um, which seemingly is greater access to the NFL uh, pipeline, but still having these lackluster results. Um, so it's kind of like, what's the purpose? And I know we don't like to to talk about Coach Prime often uh, in, in HBCU spaces anymore, but, um, you know, I remember he suggested that we didn't need to have an HBCU combine at some point uh, when, when it was happening. We just needed more players into the actual NFL combine. Hmm. I can't make that argument against it. You know, I, I you know, you know, uh Dr. Cavill oftentimes calls um 
Twitter and echo chamber. <laughs> and and I tend to agree with him. Uh, so now I don't argue with people for the most part. Uh, I mostly say I can't disprove what you're saying or make a right. cogent argument against what you're saying. So I'll leave it alone. Right. I can't make a cogent argument against what Coach Prime said in that regard because what has it helped uh, so far? Uh, I think the extra exposure is great. Uh, but at the same time, I need to see some results of, of the labor. I will say this about the HBCU Legacy Bowl. Unfortunately, I have not been able to make it in the two years. You've gone both years, correct? I've gone both years, and okay. I think it's a great thing. Okay, great. And and they've done the, sort of the combine workouts, correct, That like right. at the beginning of that week. Uh, and they've had NFL scouts there, right, supposedly. Um, yes. Uh, and I only say supposedly joking because there was a, a comment about, uh, you know, our, our, our the, the disappointment leads some to believe coaches that are these scouts just kind of showing up at HBCUs just to sort of check a box or are they actually really scouting and interested? And it, so I got a couple of things there. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go back before we talk about that. I'm gonna go back to uh, the the GM in, with the Lions, uh, the Aggie. How, how, this is his second year, correct? Second draft. Second yes. draft. Okay. Um, relatively good success first year with the first year. Um, you guys, and I say you guys, Aggie Nation, you. Even and I, I would lo- I'd love for you to be able to pursue this, uh, and and really can probably find a way to make that connection with him. But when you look in those draft rooms, we don't really know who all. I mean, we really don't know who all's in that room. Yeah, we see sometimes the owner, we see the GM, but then there's a lot of other people, director of scouting, other scouts, probably coaches. We don't really know who's in, and so you don't really have an idea of of who's listening to whom when those debates are going on, you know? And, you know, I I know I've heard people talk about wanting to see the draft boards and show some transparency with their draft board. Well, you know, that's... It's not going to happen. No, no, that's (laughs) like, uh, uh, you know, whoever's whatever secret sauce or whatever recipe from your favorite restaurant, that's like you finding out how they make it. Yeah, that that's not really how that's going to happen. And so um, the closest you will get is when you get honesty, when you get guys like K.J. Black, who's in that room, and he's able to sort of break down how it works. And I, and I think that's what we as fans, I'm all about educating us as fans so that we are less reactive you know, and understand when we need to respond to something, who to respond to. It's the same way I've always said about when you have a complaint with the NCAA or have a complaint with your school, go to the president of the school. That's where the the athletic director and whomever else, they're getting their instruction from the president. And if if athletics doesn't is not functioning like it, you think it should, let the president know. Because that's the person who you can explain. I mean, trust me, the athletic director nine times out of ten wants probably what you want. But he or she's probably 
handcuffed by what he or she is allowed to do by the person who is their boss, which is the president of the university or the board or the board or regents or whomever else runs that school. So you make your complaint known at the highest, not at the middleman, so to speak. So knowing that room, getting a sense of that GM. And, and, and so he, he went and signed Hendon Hooker, who I believe, Jamie, I could not believe Tennessee Titans sidetrack here would draft a Kentucky quarterback when they had a Tennessee quarterback on the board or should have had a Tennessee quarterback on their board. So first off, hey, that's great. Go ahead, Tennessee. We know who we're beating in the AFC South. We we just need to, you know, there's one team I'm hoping we beat more often. We meaning uh, the Colts. But anyway, so they, I thought they 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 get Hendon Hooker, whose father, a legend at North Carolina A and T. Um, so you see those connections and ties uh, display itself there. But but we got to find out how the process works. Who's advocating for whom? We heard last night, KJ Black having to advocate he because he is in charge of receivers he knew the value of xavier smith if kj black is not in that room do you think xavier smith gets drafted by the la rams no absolutely not um and it speaks to what what doug williams was talking about as far as the representation that you have in each of these rooms um some more diverse than others uh, KJ Black uh, gave us so much insight last night in that spaces. I, I, I stayed on there about an hour and a half, almost two hours, and it was um, truly insightful on our programs, yes. Yes. what the NFL wants, what their expectations are, what coaching in in our leagues has to do to catch up on it even down to nutrition. It literally gave everything. It, it gave the blueprint on certain things that goes on with our programs uh, that we need to improve upon as alums. I also want to to address um, Detroit as well, because I'm not saying at all that their diversity um, is not um, has not been top notch. If you look at that staff from top to bottom, um, Dan Campbell, you know, white guy, but he has been intentional about diversity. Former players are coaches on that squad, so they have been diverse in that manner. Uh, even down to the drafting last year, yeah, you can see, you know, who's picking up who. But it's just more so this year um, was maybe a little head-scratching in that you used seemingly um, those relationships to draft um, you know, someone you knew based on the school affiliation, but not an actual player from the HBCU ranks. So I think in that regards, I can understand how people um, may be disappointed in that way. Uh, but, you know, when you're talking about representation in that room, again, when you're talking about KJ Black being part of that LA Rams organization, no, Xavier Smith doesn't, doesn't go to that organization without it. And he understood xavier's value and what he brings to the table he talked about you know xavier being undersized but having his catch radius up there where it it has nfl value 
you know, when you're still talking about, you know, as much as we talk about the the NFL combine being the underwear Olympics, it is very much um, a a height, size, speed type deal um, where we may not think is necessary. These are what these coaches look for, coaches and GMs and brain trust in general. So it took a KJ Black knowing and being able to research, but also just, again, knowing what those players are and who has the potential to be able to make an NFL roster based on what they bring to the table um, within those parameters that NFL teams are looking for. And the GM of the Lions has to be smart enough. Now, he made the investment of offering um, James Houston a pick with the seventh round of last year, right, which was an opportunity for him to earn, you know, a few million dollars, Nice signing bonus, uh, has a chance to, you know, continue. But he's also a nice size. I mean, he's a legit. I mean, look, James Houston is legitimate uh, in terms of size, speed, skill. I mean, as much as we rave about Aubrey Miller of Jackson State, and I, I'd hate to, I don't know, I hate to compare Jackson State linebackers here, but but James Houston, there's. There's no compare. I mean, many many people thought that James Houston, as good a season as Isaiah Land had, many people thought James Houston was just as deserving as the Buck Buchanan Player of the Year award. Yeah, James and, Houston. And the, the SWAT Defensive Player of the Year as well. Right. And, and what James Houston ended up doing, and, and, I, and again, give kudos to that last coaching staff of um, Jackson State. Uh, James Houston coming from Florida was a linebacker and James Houston wanted to continue being a linebacker. Uh, But I think the brain trust on that last coaching staff said, hey, you would be better suited coming off the edge and, and, you know, playing defensive end or outside linebacker. And it ended up paying dividends for him. So kudos to just everyone involved convincing that young man to play this different position. And now in the pros is going. Um, also give credit to Brad Holmes to actually sign James Houston after he was on the practice squad for half of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can call it good. Some call it bad, maybe not recognizing it earlier. Uh, but you did have Aiden Hutchinson already on that squad that sure. you drafted number one. Right. And then, you know, uh, uh, James Houston coming on, they have the same amount of sacks in half the season. Yeah. So eventually they didn't want him to go anywhere else because you can sign practice squad players off, you know, another team can sign them off that squad. Yes. So, you know, they went on and pulled the trigger and said, we need to keep him in house. So, yeah. And, and, and that brings up a, a, an important thing that you, that you brought up. And I, 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 I want to make notes that not forget because I feel like we're jumping into so many good points. And it's like, talking, you're taking me down a road that I know we want to talk about. Uh, so I, we do got to come back to the HBCU legacy bowl in a moment okay but jackson state having the time the coach prime having the coaching staff that he had with nfl experience and them being able to tell james houston that hey son this is how you're going to get paid at the next level trust us we've been there we've seen it okay now um you know juxtapose that with the isaiah land who had great numbers after that 2021 season. It makes you think Isaiah Land probably should have come out after that season. Now, 
I, I don't know what there's a lot of there's been a lot of talk about Isaiah Lamb trying to figure out where he was. Was he out of position? We, he you know, his his size isn't is an issue that uh, was shared. You know, the fact that he played in the 200, 205 to 210 range, which is like, wow, really? Um, and noticing that when he was in the combine and at, you know, at, by the spring game, he was in the 230s, 235. He had managed to put on 20 pounds and hold 20 pounds, you know? And so, you know, I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to add right in here to this, this note here from, uh, from Jeremiah Clark. The, yeah, the, man. The, the player development aspect that KJ talked about nutrition, strength and conditioning, play call processing, route running, uh, being able to accept a position change of saying, hey, you ought to play this possession, possession or this position, excuse me, because this is where your best fit is at the next level. Uh, wow. I, I'm going to go there. Um, there are some things we have to do at the HBCU level to increase um, their both their visibility, but their ability to um, to develop these players. KJ Black gave a clinic into what we need to to improve upon. Um, Jeremiah, I guess you were on it, but he talked about us not having the proper nutrition and training tables uh, at our schools for our kids to be able to get bigger, faster, and nice. stronger. Facts at um, FAMU. I'll tell you, I'll 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 go behind it. Facts at FAMU. Facts. Um, he he talked about that. Uh, he talked about the way that um, some coaching schemes or some schemes in general do not lend itself to be able to understand NFL concepts. Now that's a catch twenty two as well because you're not in the business. Mm, I don't know how, how this is gonna sound. At the collegiate level, you're not in the business of having. Um, you're in the business of winning games on a collegiate level, not bingo, not getting bingo. them ready per se for the NFL. So yes. that that in itself bingo. is a catch twenty two. Yes, um, but I get it. If you can accomplish both, great. But you are trying to win against your other your next opponent. You're trying to, to keep what, a job. Coaches are exactly. trying. The head coach is trying to keep a job mm -hmm. because he is asked to. He's asked to win games at that school, not necessarily get guys drafted. He's asked to win games, win championships. Hey, if you can get guys drafted, that's great. But we want guys to win games, win championships, and graduate. I bet you yeah. that's the, the three, the first three, and, and I may have the order wrong. Who knows? It depend, depend upon the school, the order may be different. But that's the three mandates I bet most coaches have put on them by their AD. Go ahead, Jim. Ab absolutely. And, and I think, um, you know, he even talked about some nuances in route running, um, being able to, you know, catch radius is something he spoke about. Uh, he spoke about being able to adapt to terminology, being able to talk about that terminology in, a, in, in an intelligent way, um, being able to, um, to actually have football knowledge, to be able to be aware when, you know, for lack of a better term, live bullets are coming at you or you're actually in plays, being able to adjust. Uh, he talked about so many nuances when it came to actual football that and he said 
He said it kindly, but I, I'll just keep it 100. He said there are programs that are not adequately equipping our players to be able to do that on the next level. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was eye-popping. It yeah. really was. Because when you're talking about, you know, why some of our kids are not getting drafted, they're either getting drafted based on the potential, such as a, a Joshua Williams, who's 6'2", you know, 2'10", 215, um, that can run and backpedal and things of that nature. So you'll take a flyer on him because you feel like your coaching staff is in the business of being able to train him enough to, to be able to be a productive player in your system. Uh, but, you know, otherwise it goes with pedigree to some degree um, and, or just some feature that you have that you cannot coach or teach. It is God-given. Uh, so – he Measurables. covered all of those. Yeah, yeah, those intangibles that, that you um, you just simply cannot coach. And and it was a real conversation. And, and I, I'm glad because he's been on both sides of that world. Mm-hmm. And to be able to, to know and to feed that information back to our institutions, we have some growing that we still need to do. We have some things we still need to put in place to put our players in a better position um, to be able to do all of those things that he's speaking of. Uh, and, and this is not just, you know, an HBCU thing. It's an FCS thing in general. Uh, so don't yeah. just, you know, we're not, gonna, we're not taking shots at our institutions, but those are the institutions I care about. So we're going to keep it. <laughs> we're going to keep well, it there. You know, we, we've, we've talked about the need to improve our facilities and resources. And we've talked about, but you know where we've talked about this from? The front end getting guys to come to our school. We've never really, up until maybe now, maybe maybe I missed it, but I feel like heavy insight, we may start talking about how it affects the back end when guys leave. Now yeah. that you have more professional leagues now, besides the NFL, but you have the XFL, you have the USFL, you have uh, CFL's always been there. But – the, the 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 biggest gap, you know, and, and I love this quote by Willie Simmons, uh, the biggest difference between, uh, you know, power five, PWIs, or I think he said either power fives or PWIs and HBCUs is money. Only difference, money. And what a school like, I, ooh, I, mm, I hate to compare a school in a bigger conference, but uh, how can I do this? Okay, a, a, another school, a power five school to an HBCU is that they have all of those things that we talked about, Jamie, all those things that KJ black mentioned that they need to, they have all that covered in their staff because they have the resources. They have all of that covered because they're running little mini franchises. Doggone it. Those are organizations. <laughs> those are mini NFL teams. That's why you see the funny memes about uh, Georgia and Philadelphia. You know, Georgia has like, a handful of uh, Georgia football players now. It's become like a, a minor league. Georgia's become like a minor league program for the Eagles. Uh, there's a reason, you know, because Georgia has the ability to invest. Now, obviously, you got to scale that a different way. And and, and I and I'll say I'll say one thing because as as we talk about, you know, I, I know uh, I see a comment here. Uh, from from EA and I and I'm just gonna put it up talking about uh, you know about the pay 
for coaches. Uh, I, I'm gonna dis I'm gonna disagree with you getting what you pay for because of the fact that there are great people making less than what they deserve, and their you know their income and what they're getting, uh, all of that is is uh, is different. You know, and, and it's no bearing on, you know, a guy, trust me, a guy who's making, look, there's some, there's some crap offensive coordinators, crap DCs that are making two, $300,000. There are guys who are maybe only making forty, fifty thousand $50,000 that are pretty, pretty doggone good with doing a lot with very little. So, you know, and, and you, you, that's a broad statement, but. I I I so I reject that 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 notion that you get what you pay for, you know. Now, when it comes to keeping and maintaining, yeah, that's one thing. That's one thing. Yeah, you want to maintain a coach, you got to pay a coach because trust me, the guy who, who's the who's the hot. I mean, I don't know, Jamie. Give me a hot assistant coach from FBS that's uh, that's moved on somewhere. I mean, other than KJ Black, uh, um, who's who's moved on. Um, you mean from the from? Well, when we talk about um, upgrading in salary, you know, I'm just I'm just going with this. I'm 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 entertaining this thought here from from EA about about moving about salaries and how you, if you're only paying a guy fifty thousand, well, you get what you get. Well, I mean, look, you know, you don't you don't think you, you don't think the 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 coach at uh, you know North Carolina Central, you don't think he's Working towards something. I know this is all my mater. You don't think Coach Oliver's working towards something? Hey, I mean, he went as much as said so. Like I know he was joking, but I think it was tongue in cheek as well when he talked about, you know, uh Colorado was getting, you know, uh paying uh Coach Prime five million. He said, Hey, I just beat him. Basically, hey, I, I can do it for a little less. Hey, he, <laughs> so, he, if, if he wins another celebration bowl, you best believe somebody somebody will be coming his way. Uh, with with some kind of salary, so I, you know, let's not let's not do that. Let's not do the whole, you know, you get what you pay for because there are some good coaches out there. I mean, just hell, I, you know, I'm we're, we're teachers, Jamie. We're worth more than what we get paid. I know that much. So <laughs> every <here>. every industry, <laughs> every industry has underpaid people, and every industry has overpaid people. Let me put it like that. Amen. Mm. Yeah, preach. Uh, hey, let's do this. Let's take a short break. Come back. Uh, finish up. There's well, finish up, but there's a lot more to talk about on the other side. Uh, so you guys hang in there with us. Uh, Jamie Walker, Brian Fulford here on the BCSN Sports Wrap. We'll be back in a short two minutes. The Cuvée Group is a Florida-based marketing and training consulting firm. We help businesses communicate to their target audience and engage them in conversation. We also help to expand their audiences, which will ultimately result in growth for those organizations. In addition to being a certified constant contact specialist, my colleagues and I are also certified in John Maxwell Leadership Principles. We use these proven principles to conduct workshops, training, and private coaching sessions for individuals and companies looking to take things to the next level. Contact us to schedule a free consultation. Issues today, don't delay. Call Cuvée. 
This is the Dean of the College of HBCU Sports, Kenyatta Cavill of Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Come mix it up in the lab where the course lecture is in session every Tuesday from 6 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time on Facebook Live, YouTube, Spreaker, or the BCSN app. As we discuss all things about the HBCU sports culture, including exploring the week that was in the sporting HBCU dashboard as well as the upcoming week of HBCU Sports. With me, the Dean, the College of HBCU Sports, on Dr. Cavill's Inside HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Watts and Charles Bishop. Course lecture dismissed. From novice to aficionado, find yourself here. High quality cigars plus personal customer service. Slowburn is Waco's only mobile cigar lounge, featuring a meticulous curated collection of premium cigars. Visit our website, www.slowburnwaco.com. That's www.slowburnwaco.com. Welcome back to the BCSN Sports Wrap. Brian Fulford and Jamie Walker here. Jamie's filling in for AD Drew. Uh, just got a note from Drew. Uh, not going to be able to make it. Uh, his obligations that he's uh, that he's working on uh, won't allow him to get away. Uh, I know he's uh, probably itching, willing to, wanting to get in on this conversation. But uh, Drew will hopefully be back with us next week um just as a sort of housekeeping thing normally we would have done the softball and baseball top five rankings that will come out i believe on monday we're going to try to release those on monday uh also next uh, this whole week upcoming the black college sports network will be broadcasting the uh, siac softball championships and then later in the week will be the baseball championships uh so um you know the those both will be broadcast from albany georgia um hopefully those of you who watch had a chance to watch some of the siac track and field coverage um so that uh that uh, that was some pretty good stuff there um uh did you catch any any of the uh any of the uh, track and field coverage jamie I did catch um a little bit. Uh Mo Carter. Gotta give shouts to Mo Carter and, and slide the sports guy, Sylvester Williams. Uh phenomenal job, man. The weather was was uh crazy uh back and forth. So, you know, gotta give shouts to those two guys. But yeah, man, great coverage on on the Black College Sports Network. Yeah, uh I mean slide did, look, his 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 coverage and calling of the the <laughs> I, I, I thought at one point he was going to get down the stretch. They come. I mean, honestly, his, <laughs> I mean, I don't know if he's thought about, you know, doing any work with, uh, with some horse racing, but I mean, look, the way he called those, uh, those, those final 100, 200 yards, 200 meters, rather, of uh, some of those, uh, relays and sprints, uh, excellent stuff, man. Uh, so I encourage anybody, you can go back and, and watch those uh, replays, uh, mybcsn.net. Uh, 
slash watch slash SIAC is where you can watch the uh, SIAC championships. Day three was nothing but uh, the finals. Uh, so you can go back and watch those as well. Um, so uh, let's see. I'm going to go back and kind of any I'm looking back and trying to figure out if there's any comments. You know, I know I know it's some great conversation going on in the chat rooms. Um, appreciate you guys. Um, I, I do want to go back, Jamie, to the HBCU Legacy Bowl uh, for a second. Um, because um, I, I think it was a, a question that uh, that definitely came up. And it, it's a question that we got to answer about um, the HBCU combine. And does, you know, does the HBCU uh, combine and and legacy bowl uh, matter you know i think those are those are significant questions that that you have to ask um and, and i say that from the standpoint of i i think the legacy bowl when i look at some of these names that were were signed and and you tell me if uh i i think in terms of names that were signed undrafted free agents played in the Legacy Bowl. Xavier Smith played. Uh, I'm not sure if Emmanuel Wilson, I think Emmanuel Wilson actually came out, or did he play in that? Uh, he did. He, he okay, did. I mean, okay yeah, he Fort did Valley State's Emmanuel Wilson. Uh, how about Ricky Lee? Ricky Lee did, yeah. Okay, Keenan Isaac. I'm not sure. I know Joshua Pryor did. Mm-hmm. Uh, J.D. Kiss Bonds. He did not. He did not. Okay. Uh, Claudin Cherilis from Alcorn. I'm not sure. Dallas Daniels, Jackson State. No. Uh, Shaq Davis, South Carolina State. No. no. Um, Mark Evans. I don't think Mark did. Okay. Uh, I know Darian Hagens of Virginia State did. He did. Um, I don't recall. I don't think Isaiah – did Isaiah Lamb play in it? I don't know if he did or not. Oh, he didn't. He didn't. Uh, Andrew Farmer of Lane did. Uh, Aubrey Miller of Jackson State. I'm not sure he did. No, he didn't. Yeah. No. So I mean, there, there's a, there's a, uh, so probably half of the players that signed undrafted free agents played in the, in the Legacy Bowl, and so the, the conversation came up about the combine. Because, you know, as you stated already, you know, we, we've heard Coach Prime speak on it about why, you know, we want to be a part of, you know, the main combine or, or the NFL combine, you know. Um, you've been there two years in a row. Uh, there was a there was a, a, a I, I don't know if I call it an accusation or a statement made that there was a misrepresentation of numbers in terms of speed. What what is your evaluation of what you've seen from the HBCU Combine separate of the Legacy Bowl game? Because I think two different things. I mean, you know, all-star games are all-star games, but really it's that whole week which matters. But if you can't speak to what you've seen of the Combine, the process, what things need to be changed, what do you think should change, and does not seeing it on any type of video platform really matter and make a difference? 
that isn't that follow up question or that second question um, was great because I think it does add something to it when people are able to witness this. The combine has turned into this huge thing now uh, where people take time to actually sit there and watch it. Um, the NFL combine, you know, they go to Indianapolis and, you know, your hometown and take part in all the festivities that go along with it. So it's turned into this big thing. Um, I think those that are in the HBCU space that cover it, uh, you, you know, religiously, uh, I think it was a good thing because it represented representation. Uh, but I think, I think it's evident that certain teams are not putting their all into it. Um, I think, you know, they provide an experience throughout the entire week where you learn, um, you know, all kinds of things about almost like a um, ah, what is it called? Uh, when they bring the players in early, um, this like kind of like the rookie symposium, where where you learn different things about the squads, about NFL life, literacy. Um, you know, they they provide a a really good platform um to be able to do those types of things and what an NFL organization is looking for. Um, them partner with the New Orleans Saints. Uh, they do a lot of work with it with them. Uh, so I think they provide a really good experience. But I think it may, and this is just based on the players drafted, uh, there may be something to it being separate. Even though I enjoy um, covering it, like I said, I've been down there the, the past two years covering the game. Uh, and I know several, in, um, you know, in, uh, HBCU media members that uh, that love the experience. I think you have to have results when it comes to uh, what is this supposed to be or what is it doing or highlighting or, you know, is it turning into results? And I think the other leagues may be doing some recognition as far as what the Legacy Bowl provides, you know, the, the XFL and the uh, USFL. Because clearly they're drafting our players and putting them in a position to where um, you're seeing them be really successful uh, with these leagues. But the HBCU Combine and Legacy Bowl, I think, does matter. But I think it needs to be tuned into, you know, what are the eventual results? What is, you know, what is the purpose? What are we doing this for? I think everyone knows what they're doing it for and what the purpose is. But I think um, there needs to be some meeting of the minds to see. Uh, what exactly we could do to improve and, and just have more players uh, drafted, you know, point blank. I, I think that the free agent route is, is good and you're seeing more players and seeing the increases within that. But I think, you know, if we're talking strictly to draft, um, you know, we need to see those results improve. But I think they do matter from the standpoint of exposure uh, to the NFL life. And so with that, um, you know, it's funny hearing hearing you saying that the, the media members love it. I always, I always uh, jokingly, I mean, we as media, I mean, if we, if we can, uh, well, let me, let me not, I don't, I don't want to get in trouble, but <laughs> I, 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 I just say, you know, for, for media folk to be able to get out of town and go to New Orleans uh, <laughs> and, and, "Quote unquote," cover a combine and all star game, uh, and 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 get free free drinks and food and whatever else they offer, 
uh, it's not a bad deal. It's, it's, you know, but, but anyway, it's not the, it shouldn't be the purpose of why you go, but I'm sure a lot of people have a good time when they go. Let me just put it like that. You know? a- uh, absolutely. I mean, look, 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 I'm not going to, Hey, and it's that close to Mardi Gras as well. Like, Ooh. I mean, you do have fun in the city. Listen, listen, Hey, me and the wife went, we left the kids and stuff here. You know, it was a perfect situation. I was able to go to Tulane look at, and, and, you know, cover the game and all that. She was able to go shopping. It was a beautiful deal. You know, I'm going to give that side of it, too. But for the matter of of it improving, you know, NFL draftees, um, that has yet to be determined. And I think there's some things they can improve to do that, too, because I think um, during the time it's actually given, there's been some talk about this. And, I, and I'll go into this as well. Um you know, uh, draft HBCU players, um, Coach G, Gerald, um, Gerald Huggins, um, you know, has talked about this. You addressed how many players weren't there, were there and weren't there. Some of your top name players were not at the Legacy Bowl because they were on other all star games. Um, right, good point. And so Great point. when you're talking about, you know, that that can also be a factor. Um, even though they were at, you know, let's say they were at the, the senior recent senior bowl or, uh, whatever, they could not be, uh, you know, there wasn't full strength at the legacy bowl because there were other obligations to other games and playing those amount of games, of course, increases your, your chances of getting hurt. Um, so, you know, some people that were, you know, players that may have been recognized by, um, you know, NFL scouts and, you know, saying you need to play in this recent senior bowl game versus maybe this other game. Um, I can't knock a player for trying to choose the best route to you know, if that is their eventual goal. Um, so, yeah, that was some of that those things involved um, as well um, and, and factoring in who played or who plays in the Legacy Bowl. So, you know, Jadakiss Bonds was one of those names um, he frequently mentioned about um, not being able to play in the Legacy Bowl, but played in other All-Star games. Uh, right. So those kinds of things happen too. So it's, it's, it's some talk about maybe possibly changing that date uh, so that more players that are up for the draft um, or have declared can play in those games as well. Well, it, look, I... I have my feelings about just all-star games in general. I, you know, I, they, you, you know, because what's the worst thing that I always think about when I watch those games is the guy who potentially might get hurt, you know, and I know, look, you can get hurt in, in workouts. You can get hurt just in, in life. So I, I hate to, I'm not going to get on here and be that guy that says, Oh, you shouldn't play it. Cause somebody get hurt. I'm not going to do that. Right. Um, so, uh, I, I think there is a, in, it'd be great to move the date. I mean, look, the draft isn't until the end of April. I mean, moving it into March, I don't know how logistic, how logistics work or how logistically better that is. I mean, obviously, you start moving into pro days and things of that nature, probably towards the middle to late end of March. So maybe, you know, I don't know, but, but I think you're trying to set a calendar based on when you can get people to come. Now, I, I do think if you can't, 
Look, I, I don't understand the whole look. The secrecy thing is what always kills me. You know, because trying to find out information. Look, you. There are so many platforms, Jamie. You and I are a part of. Other people are a part of. We want to know. We want to be able to look. If, if we just came out of a draft where they told us that the and if it, measurables matter, right? One of the good points that was brought up last night. Guys drafted in the seventh round usually are hitting measurables. They 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 have been whether it be arm length, hand size, whatever else uh, that the, that they pulled from the underwear Olympics and other places. You know these are guys hitting marks, and so we'll question and say, how did the third string or second string guy from that school get drafted above a first team HBCU All American? Well, you know. He probably has got some measurables, measurements that strike a box. And then you add on the fact that he went to XY school from the Big 12 or Big 10. Yeah, I know we had to play against some competition. So, you know what? I'm willing to take a gamble on a Power 5. Nobody, nobody scoffs at the GM when you take a gamble on a Power 5 guys and he misses. Because at that point, it's like on the guy, isn't it? It's on him. Oh well, he if he didn't if he didn't make it, it's it's him. He didn't do something right. But when you gamble on an HBCU in the first round, or sorry, not not first round, but in, in a round, and they don't work out, that becomes a that you know, I don't know. You do that too many times, you lose a job, right? <laughs> so I I think that's something to consider. Now, uh, one of the things I, I let me let me. Let me so let me go back to saying stop being secretive, HBCU Legacy Bowl. Let's make this thing as professional as you say you 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 want it to be. That means broadcast the uh the the the, the 40-yard dash. Even if you don't have the great technology like you might see on the NFL network that can that can run it consistently, what? At least have it broadcast so people can see it. I mean, hell, everybody can watch it and pull their own stopwatch out and do a measurement. I don't know, you know, whatever. <laughs> you know, technology is great these yeah. days, you know. But at least we can see. You know, let the guys do their jumps. Let us see the numbers. Publish the numbers. You know, now I know that that cost, that's, that's, that's a cost. That's, that's a cost. Okay, so for a fledgling league, but I think that's the next step for the Legacy Bowl to continue to grow. If you want to continue growth from year one and two to three, four, five, that's got to happen. That has to happen because if you keep having reports and people are saying that, you know, oh, so-and-so's time was not accurate and that becomes an issue. They're like, whoa, wait a minute, what? That really happened? You know, um, let yeah. me ask this question. Let me let me bring this. We were talking about the senior bowl. I'm going to bring up EA brings up a question here. Uh, so what do we say if Land Miller, who were invited to the Reese's senior bowl, not drafted, then what? And 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 if I'm not mistaken, Aubrey Miller was was the defensive captain. He showed off he did. In, the, in the senior bowl. He did. And, and Land was praised often 
during the week, if I'm not mistaken, I, you know. I hate to say this, man. It's the respectability of the HBCU product. Um, not from us, but from those that are in power. Um, we love our football. Uh, we love our schools. We love, you know, we love our brands. Uh, but it does not translate to those that are in power in certain cases. There are no more Bill Nuns that exist within scouting that will go out and seek and find those diamonds in the rough for an organization anymore. Uh, those of y'all that don't know, Bill Nunn, you know, award-winning scout for the Pittsburgh Steelers who, you know, found within the HBCU ranks diamonds in the rough for that organization. Uh, your Mel Blunts, your, your um, you know, John Stallworths. So I think, and, and this is something I, I thought about the other day, as we talk about the analytics in, in sports taking over, or, or at least, you know, becoming significant, is actual personnel um, and people actually scouting using their eyes, um, you know, kind of kind of disappearing, kind of, you know, falling to the wayside. Uh, because you can easily put on this huddle tape and look at, you know, this footage, but going to actually witness what's going on on a field, um, is that becoming, you know, a, a thing of the past? And so, um, you know, it, it's hard to answer because, you know, I'm going to take Trayvon Walker um, last year, uh, Jacksonville Jaguar. Didn't, wasn't significant for, for University of Georgia, but had the measurables. And somebody said, I'm going to jump up and I'm going to draft this kid. You know, where is that within our ranks? You know, I know Joshua Williams was one of the cases I talked about earlier who has the, the eye-popping measurables. Uh, but you saw throughout the draft those that, okay, I don't play for this conference, I don't play for that conference, but I see this potential maybe going on just based on affiliation. Um, there's a whole lot of people from from five, five schools that just simply based on affiliation got drafted. You saw a bunch of those cases, and you put on the tape, and it wasn't necessarily the most flattering. Kind of back and circling back to what you talked about, uh, they're very kindly to our brand of football, and it translating to the NFL. Um, I don't know what to say about that because based on their biases, um, there are there are some people. Um, and, and I'll say this, regardless of skin tone, who think the HBCU product is, you can take that for what you will. Um, but I firmly have players that can play on the next level. Uh, I do. Is it as abundant as maybe power five schools are concerned? Probably not. Y'all are taking all the talent. You have, you, you, you have, you know, those numbers up there. We are schools that were in place when you wouldn't accept us. Um, so at the end of the day, you can't talk about our product without talking about the history uh, within it. So, uh, again, it's the respectability um, on the, the HBCU product, I think, is more of a factor than, than anything else. 
uh, because we can do everything. We can do backflips. We can, you know, do whatever somebody requests us to do um, if given the opportunity. But if you don't see our value within the product, you're not going to you're not going to draft, a, you know, draft our players anyway. Right. And 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 that's why, you know, it's very important to. There are organizations who have. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna relate this to basketball for a second. The San Antonio Spurs made a living off of the development and scouting internationally. Won several championships because of it, and we knew every year in the draft that uh oh the Spurs are probably gonna find somebody international, and because that's what they do. Right. You knew they were going to spend a, at least one of their two or three draft picks on an international player. And who knows, that guy is going to somehow come to be some heck of a player that we never heard of and probably wasn't on the board for several other teams. Right. Why? Because they put an investment in, in international scouting, probably off a of belief that what the basketball or brand of basketball that they wanted to play for their organization is better than what it is in the States. So that being said, with mm-hmm. football. There are teams, there are 32 teams, all with different philosophies. And when you go look at the draft, there are organizations. I I heard this said, I believe uh, Scotty said this, about the Cowboys. uh, And and that their draft philosophy, uh, I could be wrong here, but I mean, I I hope I'm stating it correctly, that they're, they're looking at Power Five programs, you know, and they're going to draft players with the seven to 10 draft picks that they have. They're going to go after power five players. Okay. Unless it's somebody who just really stands out as a non power five. Right. And then maybe in their undrafted free agent market, that's when they go get Marquise Bell, Isaiah land, um, other people, like that, you know what I'm saying? So every team has a has, has a philosophy, you know. And and uh, like I've seen some programs not afraid to draft. You know, I'm going to relate to the Colts, not afraid to draft FCS players or uh, group of five players, you know, because they're trying to find that GM is trying to find diamonds in the rough. I don't know how well that's all working out, but, you know, and sometimes I wish, I'm like, dude, go get SEC. You know, I wouldn't be mad if there was a team that said, we want nothing but SEC players in our first five rounds. Okay. I, is that, you know what I'm saying? So I get it. We, yeah, I get so, it. <laughs> yeah, so we talk about, you know, uh, the impact of having a Ozzie Newsom and somebody who understands – that there is talent in these small schools that um, – look, man, we, we, there's something to be said in football about getting a guy who has something to prove. When you – I mean, nowadays, think about – think about watch how this works in these next few years. With NIL – and guys that are going to be making a lot of money coming out of college, right? I will not be surprised if you see GMs, if, if guys don't work out in their first couple years because they're not as hungry because, oh, man, I made 100, 200, 
thousand in college. I'm coming to the NFL. Yeah, man, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if 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 the money poisons the the motivation for some. But the lack of that may also prove to be an advantage because you will have guys who who may come who may come in hungry. I hate to say hungrier, but you know. You know what I'm saying, Jamie? They, 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 you, you, that's what you want. You want a guy who's got a chip on his shoulder. You, you. I mean, there are so many guys. I don't know what. What's the percentage? Somebody tell me what's the percentage in the NFL of undrafted free agents that make the roster? Isn't there? Isn't there like a thirty percent number? And isn't it something like thirty percent of the league is made up of undrafted free? Maybe that's high. I don't know, but it feels like it's something in that ballpark, right? Yeah, it is something to that degree. Yeah. So. um, yeah, I, I just, I, you know, I, I think um, let me let me go to this next question because this one, this one's kind of interesting. And we were talking about how we, how we, <laughs> how we evaluate <laughs> ourselves, okay? Because the get money games that we all look at, at one point of the season. Now this is a twelve month cycle here. In the fall, we may be very well complaining about these games against power five programs, right? Why do we play them? Why did it, it don't benefit us? The money is too little, blah, 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 right? But come around the spring when we care so much about guys getting drafted, what are the games that they're measuring our guys against? They're measuring our guys against what they do against power five teams. Right. Oh, boy, Brian, uh, you know, we, we I, look, I, yeah, I had to go there. I had to go there because because we can talk about um, we, we, we've seen the evidence last year when they went to the clips. Those four guys who got drafted, they, their clips weren't necessarily against conference teams. It was again, you know, the Kobe Durant against Clemson. Uh, James Houston. Hell, they didn't even show James Houston, for, to my knowledge, in a Jackson State uniform. <laughs> so um, I, I, I was watching ESPN. Uh, they did such a poor job. I don't even think they showed anything on um, on um, uh, on uh, the young man who got drafted this year. Uh, I don't uh, – Jesus. Isaiah Bolden. Thank you, Isaiah Bolden. Yeah, Isaiah Bolden. Like, got, so got so many names in my head. Um, so, uh, you know, that that's just – that. So, would Isaiah just a man? Isaiah Lamb had was the opportunity to play against North Carolina was taken from him. He didn't have the opportunity. Now Xavier Smith played. I think Xavier Smith played in that game, or did he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Showed off. Had a pretty had a pretty good game. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, imagine if Isaiah Lamb had that opportunity against North Carolina. I mean. The, the, the Buck Buchanan player of the year, his first game against North Carolina. Who knows what that looks like, you know, for him. Um, so I, I put that out there to say, Jamie, look, we want our HBCUs to, to be, again, go back to the focus of what a, a coach's focus is. Go back to what a university's focus is. It, it ain't always about helping guys get drafted into the NFL. But these get money games that we play are these opportunities. What's your what's your take on this, Jamie? 
Ooh, let me ah, let me take some time stretch on it. Out. Yeah, yeah, stretch um, it out. Yeah, you guys in the chat room, one, you let us know as well. Be... Let us know. Do get money games have new meaning? Listen, um, because I've been going back and forth on Twitter all almost all day about this. Because there are so many conflating issues that people are trying to mix up within this. South Carolina State has made a living playing FBS opponent power five FBS opponents and getting kids drafted based on that. I asked <laughs> Coach Buddy Pugh at media at media days about this very thing, and he just said he is unafraid. Basically, paraphrasing, he is unafraid of taking on all comers because it gives his kids an opportunity to go against those those quote-unquote blue bloods. Mm-hmm. He's not afraid to go up against Atlanta, not afraid to go up against Clemson. He talks about it. And there are other coaches with that same philosophy. Now, I hate now monetarily, I hate that some programs have to go and play a money game because I think there's a difference between a money game and a get money money game. Um, they can be all in the same, but the reasoning is different. Um, I think you know Willie Willie Coach Willie Simmons coined that phrase "get money game." Um, in fact, and talked about if Isaiah Land he tweeted this to me that if Isaiah Land was able to play in that game, he probably gets drafted. Now, there are whole other factors that go along with that, of course. Um, and I think the philosophy of going to go against an opponent that, you know, the odds of winning is is slim to none says something. But kind of like Joshua, Joshua Sims said, coaches have to have a, a game plan to go into these games and win them. Not just, you know, go to accept the money and go home that you're not injured in the process, but actually go to win and showcase what your talents for your team is, come up with a comprehensive game plan and go and try to win the game. Uh, so I understood that. But along with that, the philosophy of scheduling opponents based on the FCS playoffs and the celebration bowl comes into play, too. And I think that people are mixing up because, you know, there are some people that have the schools of thought out there that yeah, you shouldn't be trying to, you know, we, we're going to schedule who we can, you know, win against. And we're not trying to, we're not going to the FCS playoffs anyway. So why in the world do we need to schedule, um, schedule different opponents? You know, a celebration bowl is the goal. I get that. I know fam, you, fam, you, um, you know, alums and play and people have talked about it in this schedule celebration bowl or bust. Um, whereas, you know, last year it didn't, your schedule didn't help you the year before it did, it got you in the playoffs. So that was, you know, kind of an issue. Um, there are people that move conferences, you know, A&T, you know, that that if they win that conference, they, they go do well in the – they're going to the FCS playoffs. So we always have the argument, FCS playoffs, Celebration Bowl, doesn't matter. I, I go around to say this, scheduling matters. But there's no philosophy that I feel is wrong. And if we're talking about this strictly from an NFL draft standpoint – it looks like, and I'll ask this in the chat, and you can bring it up. Those football people that know who Khalil Mack is, 
Tell me which college game you remember about him. Mm. Tell me which college game you stick out out of the career he had at the University of Buffalo. Tell me what game everybody refers to that got him in the NFL. Mm-hmm. So there's some credence to playing these these um these power five opponents, being able to show and display your your abilities and getting drafted because you're of those people. So it is some credence to who you're playing. You know, you can you can say, oh, it doesn't matter. No, not in every case it does. But if you go and show off, if you go and make 19 tackles against Clemson like Darius Leonard did, mm. guess what? He's in Indianapolis. That's how he got on that stage. If you're the Kobe Durant and have two interceptions against Clemson, guess what? Sean McVay's eyeballs are on you at that point and his whole brain trust and scouting. So there is something to it. If it's not just a power five school, it's how you perform against that power five school. That's a great point. That's a great point. Um, you know, because uh, this this upcoming year, I know, for example, North Carolina Central, you know, the defending defending champs, uh, HBCU National Champs, Celebration Bowl Champs, they're going to travel out to UCLA. And we will all be watching to see how Davius Richard does against UCLA. Uh, there has not been an HBCU quarterback drafted by the NFL since Tavares Jackson in 2008, I think wow. it is. 08. Wow. Uh, and, and before him, Steve McNair. Uh, so that's mm. what? Two in the last 25 years? 30 years? Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and you know, I, you know, but that'll be a great display of talent, even though his, te- his, his game in the Celebration Bowl was phenomenal, both through the air and on the ground. Um, yes. You know, and, and, and Joshua Sims, I, I, I'll go back to him a second, who, who is a Carolina Central um, former, you know, North Carolina Central wide receiver. Uh, who has coached and, and, you know, has done phenomenal things for that university. And he has said he is the best dual-threat quarterback, period, going into next year. He didn't say HBCU quarterback. He said best dual-threat quarterback, period, going into college football next year. Now, I hate okay. the fact that they're going to have to get beat by 40 when they play when they travel to Greensboro. But oh, I hey, hope he does shots fired. Down. Shots fired. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. I love it. Woo. Hey, uh, how about the fact that I was just thinking that speaking of that celebration bowl, how about the fact that Davius Richard may have gone up against what? Eh, well, I won't say five, but I don't know, potentially at least four, five potential NFL players. You know, I don't know if you, if you, if you kind of look at between the two cornerbacks, uh, Miller, that's at least three. Uh, I don't know who else is on that front line that, you know, is, is a potential NFL guy from Jackson state. But so you have that game, you mentioned that game and then yes, the UCLA game. And I, I don't, I haven't gone too deep down the 
the rabbit hole of looking at all of uh, eight, uh, all the quarterbacks uh, in sort of dual threat. I'll be interested. I'll be interested to 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 see. But I but I know he is 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 die hard all about his guy, and, and he should be because he has a real one. And, and so if he puts up the numbers, has the percentage, and if he plays well, you know, just think if you see if they play well against UCLA. You know, they don't they have some if there are no distractions, I mean they're going cross country. So I mean, God bless it. I mean, I, I hope they're not arriving on a Friday. I, I'm hoping that the university's got it figured out in a way that will allow them to get there on Thursday, you know, so at least they can get a day under you know, I don't know. Maybe they'll maybe they'll I don't know which day of the week that game is, but maybe you gotta adjust time clocks for everybody that day and just have guys waking up three hours earlier. Uh I don't that and that and, and that game will probably be a noon or one o'clock game if UCLA is smart. They're probably just gonna schedule that game at noon or one o'clock, which means that's a nine AM game for North Carolina Central. So uh, that there's a lot of trappings in that game in itself, but it's a big test. And, and Florida A&M has a contest against South Florida, which look two years ago when Florida A&M had a defense that that included Marquise Bell and Isaiah Land. Many people thought that that was a winnable contest against South Florida. Then two years ago, it and that was a horrible USF team, by the way. That team maybe won like two games all year. One of them was against FAMU. But anyway, this this year's team, they got a new coach. I don't know if they're going to be any better. So FAMU comes in with a potentially better defense. Uh, all this praise we're talking about. So after, after playing Jackson State, then they turn around and go play that get money game in Tampa against South Florida. Who knows what can happen if FAMU can win that game? So you know, and I, and I know there's it, it's it's the eternal question, Jamie, that we that all schools look at, from a from a program to a school to a conference. You've got us. You're all trying to answer the same question: of What is our philosophy? You know, playing these games don't help the brand. Um, we understand why you're playing these games. Um, you're hoping that you're getting significant value for playing these games. Um, you're not playing other FCS power programs, but then again, it does that really matter? Because your goal at the FCS level, at least for the SWAC and MEAC teams, for the top teams, is not really chasing a playoff. It's chasing what? A bid to the Celebration Bowl, winning your championship. Okay. Now, Ante Hampton. Um, uh, who's the third one? Tennessee, Tennessee State. State. Different, different objectives. State. Yeah, Tennessee State. Different objectives, right? They, their goal is to get to the playoffs because that's what is in it for them. Um, so it, it it just it just brings a different level of value to those games. Um, and, you know, guys have to, guys have to perform, man. I, I think at the end of the day, you want to be able to go into those games and you want to go compete. Uh, you, you hope that your team 
is able to compete. Sometimes you have to be realistic. Um, and needless to say, you know, what, what I'll be watching, I'll be looking to see what the point spreads say on those games. That, that'll tell me what, what the perception of, you know, what the perception of <laughs> North Carolina Central is when they, when they travel all the way out to UCLA, you know? Um, so yeah, well, it's, uh, one of those things we gotta, we gotta, we gotta answer. Um, what other, what other takeaways as we, as we get ready to start to, to bring a wrap up on the show, Jamie, what, what other general thoughts? I mean, we hit on a lot of different points. Um, and, and I, you know, this isn't a, an opportunity. I mean, there's no final answers in this, right? I mean, because there's so much, there's so much work that all of these schools have to do. I, I just wonder what you, you said you had conversations with Willie Simmons. I, I just wonder what, uh, you know, a coach like Willie Simmons who has a quote unquote loaded roster, uh, has so many guys who transferred to FAMU. Uh, I wonder what his message or anybody who's got transfers who came from FBS to an HBCU. What's their message? What What are you telling think, your kids today? Uh, this is why this discussion is important, because I think you're having to do a sell job again um, to your athletes. Now, I know that, um, you know, fam, you got got in a, 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 a nice transfer today from Bethune-Cookman. Uh, so clearly it's not affecting recruiting. Um, what? Oh, um, news. What? 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 Okay, go ahead while yeah, I look man, this go up. Look, go ahead. Go, all right. All right. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh. But um, I, I think that um, when you're looking at the sale job, and, and one of those sale jobs was two in all actuality, Isaiah Land last year, uh, who considered jump, who jumped in the portal, uh, and convincing him to come back to the school, um, you know, was was great because I think for all the reasons that was told to him, uh, um, were were relevant and I think were true, but I think when you have the results like we had this year, uh, in the NFL draft, uh, please don't sell what players think and perceive short. I think there are a lot of people out there that um, that will not really buy into what these players are thinking, but they have thoughts. They have discussions. They have insight. You know, we say it's Guthrie, for example, on Twitter, asked the question um, to coaches. I'm like, okay, are we playing enough money games? to be able to go against these power five opponents to show off our skills to NFL scouts and, and GMs. And I think it's a viable question. I can't knock him for that question. There's some data that, that possibly leads to if you perform in these games that it increases your draft, you know, your, your draft status. Um, there's some that say that, you know, regardless of who you play, you know, your draft, that not increase. So there's evidence on both sides. I just know that when you're talking about those eyes being on you, and the answer to that question that I gave about Khalil Mack, 
they still talk about his Ohio State performance in college. Mm -hmm. Not the fact that he went in against the university, that he was at the University of Buffalo, but that he (laughs) absolutely dominated Ohio State, a Power 5 school. So when you you have that opportunity as as an HBCU to go against an opponent um, that will have the eyes of America and you go and do your thing where a scout can see what your skills are, you are on the spotlight and the radar of NFL scouts throughout that entire year. Um, we've seen that happen. So it really is just philosophically, what do these coaches want to do? Because I think there's something to say about the risk of playing um, an overmatched opponent. And I, I get that. I'm not going to go into you know things that have occurred because football is football. It can happen to anybody. But at the same time, when you're talking about the ways in which you want NFL scouts to see your product, uh, especially when for them, it's not on the same level as the power five schools, there's something that has to be done. Um, And to have those answers to what to say, what the coaches will with what approach those coaches will have. I don't think they can give a clearly defined answer. I don't think they can give an answer that is viable to them it's just selling your school and what the advantages are and for hundreds of years hbcus have provided um provided a place when no one else would allow us in their place and i think that has to be the message that you can get your education and play quality football and i think it has to has to remain on that um on that i think that messaging still has to remain the quality of life, as I've heard it said, is important. You know, the the your your day to day travels amongst the people that you are going to travel uh, or walk alongside or sit next to uh, have a purpose. You know, and uh, it, it, that that has to mean something. And you know. You coming to said university, I mean, there, there's, wow, with that, without the right kind of resources. And again, we, we talk about the goal of, the goal of college, uh, the goal of athletics in college, it's bigger than helping you get drafted into, you know, the NFL. It, it really is. Uh, this is where you start to have those arguments about the purpose of college athletics, college football. You know, you hear people talk about breaking away college football, breaking away from the the uh, NCAA. Well, the NCAA is a product of colleges. Presidents run the NCAA in case newsflash, in case anyone didn't notice. Presidents of universities run the NCAA. Okay, uh, so <laughs> that that's very important, and that that when you it's talk about important. yes, it's highly important because yes, there are sixty some odd programs who make a lot of money, spend a lot of money. Very few of those sixties turn a profit, but they're not really in it to turn a profit because every money they make. Every dollar, every million they make, they turn around and reinvest it 
into bigger, better, or other opportunities for other student athletes in their university. Okay, the byproduct of all that extra money they're sending, the plus or the advantage is what? 10 guys from this SEC school gets drafted. 10 from that, right? That That's a, that's a great advantage. Um, HBCUs are just different. And, but it's not to say that the, the, the one advantage we do have, and this is why I keep hoping and thinking and saying there are people making it. We, we have a culture that is rich and deep, right? I mean, we, we've been around for decades. We are on fourth generations, maybe fifth generations of families that have attended our universities, right? Not just second, not just second, not just third. We're up to fifth in some cases. Okay. So, um, it, it's, uh, I, I, that, that we, we just go back to their opportunities. If guys want to play professionally, the, the, the best thing is that there are opportunities. I, I was watching, I've been watching the USFL, what was it? The XFL playoffs this weekend. Good football, man. Good mm-hmm. football. If you enjoy football, good football. The USFL, good for even though there's nobody in the stands, good football. You know, they, they, they got to figure that whole thing out. How to figure out how to get people in the stands, right? But that's another topic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so there's opportunities for guys if they want to continue playing professional football. And that that is a positive. That's a positive. But they're not going to lose focus no matter how bad we complain and want they're not schools are not going to lose focus on their mission, which is getting guys graduated, helping guys graduate. So, you know, it, it'd be nice to add some extra stuff. And if you want to be a part of adding extra stuff for your program, hey, guess what? Buy season tickets. Hey, become a monthly donor. Help encourage your friends and other HBCU alums to be monthly donors or buy season tickets because that is what separates. Remember what that quote from Willie Simmons, the only difference is money. So if you want to see more opportunities, it starts with more money so that the training tables can be improved and other things of that nature and that guys can continue to perform at their best and that when they get the opportunity, whether it's signing an undrafted free agent contract, as we've seen nearly 20 guys do uh, over the past 24 hours, that's what they'll do. So congratulations. That, that might be the law. I don't know if 17, 18, I don't know if that's the largest number in recent history, but it feels like a lot. feels like it is. You know, so I'm, I'm going to think less about the, the number one, and I'm going to think more about the number 17 or 18 or 19 or however many is because it's that many opportunities that guys get. And I bet you what, I won't be surprised to see those guys make a roster I won't be surprised to see those guys playing in the USFL or in the future in the XFL. Right? So, uh, wow. What a great conversation today, Jamie. Um, I appreciate you uh, coming in. And, and uh, again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, you know, tell you, if, if you want to go see deeper dives and some great discussions in the immediacy right after the draft, I know uh, Scotty 
on his off script channel on YouTube, did a good show. And then on Twitter spaces, go check out HBCU nightly. Again, I'm, I am pro black media, pro HBCU media. Uh, you and I are members of the HBCU pro sports media association. So every conversation uh, that we have, and, and look, a lot of opinions out there and we appreciate all you guys for, for tuning in and listening to it. Uh, please share it, uh, share our show, uh, share those other shows because we continue to we want to continue to enlighten, enlighten and educate, and, and, and we want to we want to see uh, the the more exposure that we provide, the more exposure trickles down to our uh, to our HBCU uh, student athletes and and to the to the schools that we love and they represent. Um, uh, Jamie, I, I thought I thought Jamie was gonna come in today, folks, to, to talk. We were gonna talk about spring football, and then and then the draft <laughs> happened. <laughs> and so I, I'm I'm thankful uh, to have Jamie on today uh, to be my to, to be my wingman here tonight. Uh, let me give a quick uh, reminder to everybody coming up uh, this upcoming week. Uh, you can watch the SIC softball championships beginning Tuesday, May second right on the Black College Sports Network. You can go to mybcsn.net slash watch slash SIAC. You can also watch replays of the track and field championships, which took place this past weekend. Uh, or you can watch the uh, men's volleyball championships that took place uh, the week before. And so coming up this week, uh, Tuesday through Thursday are the softball championships. Then baseball will start uh, the fourth through the seventh, or I think so. Yes, yeah. so I'll be spending my birthday weekend, Jamie, in Albany, Georgia. Woohoo! I don't, I don't know what's ah. in Albany, Georgia, but uh, I don't know. Hey, that's, you look up your rattler, uh, yo, Coach Quinn, Coach uh, Quinn Gray. You know down uh, there. Yes. Uh, you know what? I gotta ask eat. him. He, he he just confirmed <laughs> that he's gonna be on Wednesday's ONG Strike Zone with us. So. Quinn Gray will be on uh, Wednesday night show. So I will have to ask, where can I go and celebrate my birthday? Uh, might might have to be an offline conversation. But I, you know, I'm, I'm looking to, uh, <laughs> I will, uh, I have to ask. Uh, but uh, yeah, looking forward to the birthday weekend, calling baseball this upcoming weekend. But again, softball starts on Tuesday. Baseball starts on Thursday. Uh, right on the Black College Sports Network, the exclusive provider of the SIC Spring Championships. Uh, Jamie, let the people know where they can find you, where they can follow you on uh, social media, sir. Ah, you can follow me on Twitter at uh, Twitter and Instagram at Sport Voice JW. Sport Voice JW. Primarily on Twitter, I'll offer my opinion on most stuff. I'm not gonna go back and forth with you cats because. I'm just not like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you'll hear uh, me announcing me. in the fall, of course, man. You'll you hear me announce. Uh, definitely HBCU uh, football is, is my wheelhouse, but uh, just football in general, man. You'll hear me. So definitely give me a follow. Um, DLB, Niles Gaddy, enters the transfer portal. Uh, why, am I not surprised? Today's the last day. So uh, there's a guy put in two years at Jackson State. Must have seen the draft, and uh, uh, but I wonder. Yeah, 
be surprised if he ends up somewhere where the Buffalo roams. No, I don't think that'll happen, though, uh, the way things ended from what I heard. But anyway, um, you know, we'll be watching to see whether anybody else uh, – hits. today's the last day, apparently, for the portal. So um, somebody took the advice, and uh, he said, he said, I'm out. All right, well, uh, it's going to be like that. Um, where was I going to go? Uh, again um, – I, no, I think what I was going to say, Jim, you talked about going back and forth to people. You know, nowadays, whenever I see somebody's comments, I check their profile. And I oh, say, yeah. how many, I, if you don't have your, uh, your, your banner, if you don't have a banner, if you can't think of some banner image to throw up on your Twitter profile, I'm not responding to you. You know, it used to be just the, oh, you don't have a picture or on your profile. Now I'm checking the, you got to have at least some kind of image. Tell me that you're invested in Twitter uh, somehow, some way. Don't, don't be that guy that doesn't have anything under their, uh, uh, what is that? The, uh, the, the thing, the, the, the header, the header there on your, yeah. on your Twitter profile. That, yeah. Yeah. You can't just have a blue, you can't just have it blue up there. You know, you got to do something, you know, even though you may not have any followers, which you notice, that's another thing I check. You know, you got any, do you follow anybody? Does anybody follow you? Or are you just trying to troll me? You know, that's that's how that's how these things are, man. So anyway, and and uh, one other side note about Twitter. I recognize what you're doing, Elon Musk. You know, have you noticed on your Twitter app there's the for you and then there's the following tab? Have you noticed that? Not to yeah, really it, pay it any attention, but I, I will. Look, I don't know, maybe it's Android, but I know on the Android Twitter app, you have a For You tab, and then you have a Following tab. Like, people you expressly follow, but the tab before it is For You. And I only say that, Jamie, because how can I – I want to be delicate about how I say this. You know, I made a comment about a particular photo defending someone that you know more so than me that I'm hoping one day I get a chance to meet. I was, I was simply, I was hoping, I was just sort of defending the tweet. But I noticed ever since that tweet, I get more and more beautiful black women in my stream under For You. And I'm just like, I see what you're doing, Elon. That algorithm somehow <laughs> is, is thirst trapping me. I'm just, so I see what's happening. So pay it, just, this is random, totally random, but I just had to say it out in public space. And just tell y'all, pay attention to your Twitter. But yeah, you can just go to following instead of for you. Before you is completely different than following. Twitter be trying to tell you, oh, hey, this is for you, Brian. I'm like, oh, yes, it is. Okay, <laughs> but, but y'all going to get me in trouble because, you know, I'm in public spaces and I can't be just hitting like on everything. But anyway, that's going to do it for tonight's show. If you want to follow me, you can find me at DRB365. Uh, Twitter's for fun, people, so don't take it too serious. Uh, appreciate everybody. Yeah, uh, yeah I, Edwin says change the algorithm tab. I don't know how you do that, Edwin, uh, or maybe that's just what they did. I don't know. But anyway, um, appreciate everybody for coming into the chat, whether it be on Facebook or on YouTube, watching us on Twitter. Please make sure to hit the thumbs up button wherever you are. Hit the like button. Uh, follow us at my BCSN one, the number one. Uh, download the Jericho Broadcast Network's app on the Google Play and Apple App Store. My JBN, my BCSN is where you can find it. And also, go download the BCSN Pod Zone. BCSN Pod Zone is where you can find the podcast of all of our great shows on the Black College Sports Network. 
uh, BCSN Podzone, Spotify, Apple, uh, Apple, Google, iHeart, Amazon Music, all those great places and spaces. So uh, for Jamie Walker, I am Brian Fulford. Thank you guys for watching tonight's show. Good night. God bless. Peace out.